Hey, thanks for hanging out. I'm Rachelle Leanne, and you're listening to Thoughts About That. Hello, hello, friends. Um, I am excited to be back. I have like some really good guests coming up and uh, one here today with me, um, Thunder Walker. Welcome, Thunder. Thank you for having me. Oh, my goodness. I'm excited. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm excited to have you to talk about one of my favorite things, actually. Um, I wanted to just kind of give a little background about you and it's best if I just kind of read a little snippet of your bio if that's okay that's perfect so y'all Thunder Walker is a true cannabis polymath she has um, excelled in multiple facets of the industry she's a cannabis appraiser Um, she has the ability to discern the value of rare strains and historical genetics so yeah this is like some next level stuff Um, and she's an in indispensable resource for collectors and enthusiasts alike. So she has, um, she goes on tour and she's a dynamic speaker and, you know, talks worldwide about her passion for cannabis. So welcome, Thunder. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Every time I hear that polymath, I have to just think, okay, I have to really explain that sometimes to people, Um, you know. (laughs) <laughs> yes, you have, and I want you to explain it. You're the host of the Thunderwalker Experience. Tell me what a polymath is. Well, basically, all facets of cannabis I am exposed to. So not only do I speak on cannabis, I actually touch cannabis. So I own a dispensary, a processing license, and I'm partnership in a grow. Um, Not only do I do that, I'm also a patient. So I have my own card. I'm a caregiver. Uh, My daughter is disabled, and she actually has a card. And then... um, I work with people that want to get into this industry and I am busy tying all the states together so people can understand not only their state, but when they travel to other states, they can definitely understand what's needed and what's required in other states. Absolutely. Because, you know, if I'm traveling somewhere, I have to like, is this a a recreational state? Is it a medicinal state? I have like no idea. And then what are the best sources to find the latest of what. Right. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And we're working on that right now, creating our own green book, okay. green, green book yes. for uh, cannabis and cannabis travel. It's really, really important because the laws are so different in each state. And some states will allow you to have reciprocity, which means you if you have a cannabis card in the state of Oklahoma, you can apply for a cannabis card per se, in the state of Hawaii. So if you're traveling to Hawaii or another medical state and they allow you to have a a part-time or a travel card, I would suggest that most people work to do that before they travel to that state. Yes. Yeah, I I agree. I, um, you know, it's it's sad that people are still, you know, spending time Mm -hmm. for something like this that we get to, you know, use and consume freely for the most part. Absolutely, Um, absolutely. And we work toward that too. We have a pre-roll that's coming out, and some of the proceeds for that pre-roll will be uh, given to the the project for freeing prisoners that are currently incarcerated. incarcerated. Um, We are really blessed to be able to experience this brand-new trailblazing uh, front for cannabis because mm-hmm. there's so many people over 40,000 in the United States alone are locked up for cannabis use wow. and or sale. Wow. Wow. And that, I mean, and I saw a meme one time where, you know, 
they no one should be locked up for something where we can go and buy and it looks like an Apple store, you know, for but for cannabis. Absolutely. And I truly feel like that. You know, I get goosebumps when I talk about it, because to be honest with you, there's no way that anyone should be able to even consume or work in the cannabis industry without giving back because those people paved the way for yeah, us absolutely. to uh, keep the strains and to keep the seeds and the, uh, the genetics of the original plants in some cases and keeping those alive. And so a lot of those people risked their lives, risked their freedom, mm-hmm. uh, didn't get a chance to see their family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Daughters and sons grew up without moms and dads. Yeah, you know, deep effect. Yeah. Deep effect. And so um, that's that brings me to the subject of social equity. Um, those people that went through that, their children and also them as they get out of that situation, there's a lot of states out there that will allow them to open up and be at the front of the line and have resources to open up uh, dispensaries, grows, oh. and processing. Oh. Uh, we don't really have that in Oklahoma. I was just about to ask. Yeah. <laughs> we do not, uh, but we should. And so as we press legislation to change, that's one of the changes that I'm very much for. Absolutely. I, um, you know, what What do you think is the, the loosest state in terms of um, their medical program? Ooh, the loosest state. I'm going to be honest with you. It's Oklahoma. Really? Yes. Even without that piece? Even without that piece. Okay. Why is that? Because Oklahoma, in so many ways, we did it right. Right. We really did it right. 788, who was a signature bill through Senator Connie Johnson, one of my personal family member friends. I love her dearly. Um, And she is the only black female that has ever wrote cannabis legislation and got it passed. So we have to, I call her the godmother of cannabis. Oh, absolutely. But what happened was when they wrote it, they they wrote it where everybody could have a seat at the table. Mm. And in their minds, uh, a low entry fee of $2,500 was attainable for most individuals, most people that lived and was residents in the state of Oklahoma. I have to agree with that. And a lot of people really don't like that. But I have to agree with that. As I travel to other states, other states, it may take a million dollars uh, three million in certain states to get license to get a license, a commercial Fi- license, right? Commercial okay. license, five hundred thousand dollars to get a commercial license. Yeah, so that's and, like a like a Panera Bread or a Starbucks. You exactly, gotta have that. Exactly, okay. and you know, two thousand five hundred dollars to enter into this industry so is the low, lowest. Yeah, that's a low. It's the barrier. lowest, and so a lot of things we don't necessarily get right, but we got that particular part right. And so they're making some changes now where it's going to be, once we come out of the moratorium, it's going to be a little bit more for licenses. But those people that originally got in and was able to obtain a license at that amount, I think that's a pretty level playing field. Mm -hmm. And so kudos to Senator Connie Johnson and everyone that served during that time to allow people to come into this industry um, at a at a point at a price point that was affordable for most people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because it's twenty dollars if you have Sunacare and Medicaid for a patient. Yes, and then twenty five hundred dollars if you want to start a, a business. Exactly. And get licensed. Exactly. And and people don't realize this part. So um, I'm uh, vertically integrated. But what I find that's interesting about the state of Oklahoma is that. 
in our entire state, we only have one license for education. Now, that license is not on a moratorium, and it's only $500. So to me, that's where we're missing it. We really don't understand the importance of education, but Mm -hmm. education in this industry is very, very important. It's important for the consumer, the patient. It's important for the people that work in the industry, and it's really, really important for the legislators because there's a lot of people that are out here writing laws to to this very day and and voting yes or no, Mm -hmm. and they really don't understand the difference between Delta 8, Delta 9, THC, THCA, CBN, CBD, CBG. Right. Um, It's a lot of alphabets. Right. It's a lot of (laughs) alphabets. And so uh, that's the part that we're rusty on. And I Mm -hmm. I call us out on that all the time. Um, But we need more education in the state. And so that $500, what does that pay for? Who, who's paying the $500 to get what? So it's $500 to get an education license. Okay. So all you have to do is write the curriculum, get it submitted into the state, pay your $500 and get approved. And then therefore you can educate, um, you can educate your community on what cannabis is. And, and one of the things that we have to start doing is educating the elderly. So um, what cannabis is and what CBD is, uh, we need to make sure that we reach out to the spiritual community. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I can tell you that on Sunday morning, there is going to be a, a sister or a brother sitting on their pew in the third row, maybe with glaucoma, or maybe they just had a knee transplant, mm-hmm. or maybe they have cancer. And cannabis can really be a help for them, but they don't know it. So, so and 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 I know I'm my my mother personally. She, we wanted to get her some type of things. The tinctures were so expensive, um, and you know we tried a couple different things. But tell me, you know, if education is missing, who who is it for? Like, who's going to be purchasing these? these courses or these classes, uh, you know, who's going to be distributing this information? Well, my hope is the community. The Thunderwalker experience, which is um, part of my bandwidth, uh, will present classes, and I currently present classes in different um, environments, such as when we have f- festivals and expos that come and conventions that come. But I think that it needs to be ongoing. Mm-hmm. I think that bud tenders need uh, training. Absolutely. I think that uh, owners and license holders need additional training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think patients need training. Caregivers need training. Uh, there is a such thing as pediatric cannabis. You understand that there are card holders that are under the age of 18 mm-hmm. that have maybe cancer, epilepsy, autism. There's a list of different things that they can have as far as ailments or disabilities. And so as a caregiver, as a mom or a dad, when I walk into a dispensary, I am walking in and I'm looking for a product that is specifically for what my child needs or maybe what my parent needs, uh, geriatric um, care. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm there looking for that, I'm sitting there and I'm talking to a bud tender and I'm explaining the different uh, symptoms and things like that that I want to cover. And so if I'm having that conversation, that person should be able to have a good conversation back with me. so I'll have a doctor's prescription for my child or for my parent, uh, and then I'm the caregiver. So the next step is the patient should have some type of education. The caregiver should have some type of education. 
And then the bud tender should have some type of education. Right. Hitting it on every every side. Yes. You know, and so what do you what would you tell people that, you know, they haven't really bought into the medical side of cannabis? They just see it as something to to smoke. You really need to go into your prayer closet. You really need to go into your prayer closet or whatever you call it. Uh, you know, are you going to believe me or your lying eyes? All you have to do is actually do some research. And so you'll find that John Hopkins, you'll find Yale, you'll find all of the major um Stanford, you'll find all of the major institutions have already started doing research, proven research, that cannabis has been able to not only cure some things, but also help with certain ailments and also symptoms. So it's not necessary a it's necessarily about consumption because mm-hmm. I think that's where the stigma comes for this beautiful plant. And right. the plant is a she, uh, so <laughs> I have to really protect her. <laughs> um But that's where people really get it wrong. They just automatically think that someone is sitting around and just getting as high as they possibly can. And there's going to be some people out there that that will do that, just like you have people that consume sugar Mm -hmm. in a way that they shouldn't consume sugar. Um, But cannabis has been shown to do so much more, not only as far as medicine is concerned, also hemp and hemp products, cannabis products has been uh, shown to be for clothing, to, right. to build uh, buildings. You can use it to uh, help with the environment if you have contaminated soil. So all you have to really do is your research. So you really don't want to just be focused on uh, what, how high cannabis can get a certain individual, a certain population of people. Right. Uh, do the research. And so that's what I would tell people is to do to do the research because yeah. they're in a bubble. They're in a closet. Right. In a bubble, in a, in a vacuum. Yeah. So when it comes to, to Delta 8 and Delta 9 and those kind of derivatives, you know, why is it not a thing through the medical cannabis system? Why does it have no, like, you don't have to have a license to buy it. How do you know what you're buying? Well, I'm not a big fan of Delta 8 and Delta 9 because Delta 8 and, okay, cannabis is a natural plant. Right. It was here before we got here. It was, you know, on the, if you go and if you have any type of spiritual upbringing or if you believe in the Bible at all, it says on the third day, God created dirt and plants. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Let's move that to the side. Right. Okay. What Delta 8 and Delta 9 is, is the hemp plant sprayed with a chemical Mm. that is similar to uh, THC. Okay. Mm. So it's, it's not actual THC. It, it is, but it's it's a chemical. Okay. It's like... <laughs> it's it's an artificial THC. Yeah, it's like, I can't believe it's not butter. It ain't butter, baby. Got it. it. <laughs> okay, I'm with you. I'm with Margarine you. is one, uh, one actually chemical away from, or component away from plastic. And so I, when I talk about Delta 8 and Delta 9, that's what it reminds me of. I, I can't believe it's not butter. It ain't butter. Yeah, this yeah. ain't THC. Mm-hmm. It's Delta 8, Delta 9. And so they have uh, been able to go through a loophole and be legal in most of the states. Mm, okay. But if you really want to look at what's 
in my opinion, my opinion, uh, what's best for your body. It's just like everything else that we're starting to move to that's organic or naturally grown or um, that we can say that this is a pure form of the plant. Um, I would do cannabis THC all day long. All day long. You know, I I find that some of the like original strains that you kind of fell in love with are no longer around. I I feel like sativas are hard to find. Um, Why do you think they're moving towards the like faster growing process and, you know, getting rid of all of those and just like all of these new names that I've never heard of before? Like, how does that, you know, how does that come about? I love the fact that you asked me that question because it goes back to cannabis real estate and it goes back to appraising the genetics of cannabis. Mm. So let me just walk you through the process. Okay. When a person pops a seed or develops uh, a strain, the genetics of cannabis, and this is just going to be the short form. It's going to be a lot of people like, oh, she left out this, she left out that. This is the short form just for for this moment. Um, They develop a genetics, uh, they find one, right? And then they can they can name it, okay. okay? Or they can take two different types of seeds and merge them together and name it. The reason why they're going towards these phenol faster developing plants is because this is a billion dollar industry. Yeah. It's just that simple. It's all based off of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the older strains are going to be coming back like everything else okay. does. You know, you see people walking around in jelly shoes and right. uh, different types. So th- they are making a comeback. But um, people want to try new things and they uh, want to be able to sell it for more. And that's why you find more infused pre-rolls, infused this, infused that. Right. Because they're trying to match the demand or, or come out with something new. I I agree with you. I like the traditional old strains, and I think that uh, they serve a huge purpose. Mm-hmm. And that those genetics are still available. You just have to know where to find them, mm-hmm. and they have a higher value, just like you would find older Nikes or sneakers or right. stuff like that. Uh, those genetics they do price higher, and so that's why you'll see them. You'll see them come back up. And they'll be priced higher than what we thought they would be because they're, they're kind of rare. Right. They're rare. Well, so you're a cannabis consultant, too. And what would you say in this billion dollar industry? What would you say um, is the area to to get in right now? Like, where is it at the processing point? Is it at, um, you know, the growing point? At what point do you feel like is I mean, we know education, but where's the the demand right now in the industry? Because I feel like we have so many dispensaries, like that can't be <laughs> it, right? Well, okay. The secret right now in the sauce, if you want to get into this industry, it's just to buy real estate in the green zone. And the, green, the green zone is the friendly area that is friendly for cannabis. It's 420 friendly. So you don't even have to touch the plant. Just buy real estate in those areas, it can be physical real estate or virtual real estate. And a virtual real estate would be a uh, IP address, you know. Okay. And so you just buy that and you'd hold on to it. And when you come to my seminars, I, I explain this. But if you can buy um, the, you can go onto a, a site and buy the IP address for um, ladycannabis.com. Okay. Dot com. okay. 
you may spend twenty five dollars buying that. You know you're what I mean? You talk about selling domains, right? Like just totally sell, just buying and flipping domains. Hey, that's smart as hell. So that's virtual cannabis real estate. Wow. So if you cannot afford... That's a gem right there, y'all. Right, if you can't afford to get into this any other way, try that and just buy a lot of them. Hold on to them. I think you can buy them for a year to two years. It's the minimum that you can hold on to them. Buy it and hold on to it because someone is going to open up a dispensary or create a product and they're going to want that name and they're going to be able to purchase it from you and Got flip it. it. And flip it. Um, the other thing, if you can buy... Uh, an Airbnb, an apartment building, a hotel, a retail strip, even a single commercial property and say that it's 420 friendly. Yeah. Um, it can even be like a, uh, a recreational place, anything like that where people can go and smoke. That's where you want to get in at because okay. people cannot smoke in their own homes sometimes, yeah. like apartment, apartment complex. Yeah. They can't smoke there. They can't smoke at restaurants. There's a lot of places they can't smoke, but they want to consume. Right. And so sometimes they can't even vape. Mm. And so if they can't do that, they have to go someplace to do it. So there's going to be a lot of places I'm hoping that will pop up like a lounge mm-hmm. or a tea shop um, that you can go in there and you can buy Part of it will be a dispensary or part of it will have access maybe next door to one. You can go and you can buy your product and you can just go sit out on the patio, relax, kick back yeah. and enjoy. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking for a place like that. Yeah, you exactly, know what I'm saying? Exactly. Similar to a cigar bar. Right. A cigar bar. Exactly. That would be that would, that would be nice. Um, I love the idea of the the domain flipping because, um, yeah, that's that's pretty smart. Um, so. We have Oklahoma. We've kind of set the the tone for for the country for for our program, and you know I, I want to touch a little bit more about the pediatric cannabis mm-hmm. um, because I was actually having lunch with a friend on Friday. I told her I was speaking with you and what we're going to be talking about, and she was like, "Wait, what?" She had never heard of of the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, so, someone's completely new to pediatric. Con- uh, cannabis what would you what would you tell them like the reason for uses and what safe doctors where would they turn first okay i love this question so let's say that you have a child with a disability or and, and or a disease uh, such as cancer a disability such as epilepsy or autism uh, ptsd there's so there's a long long list okay um, and you have tried a lot of different things cbd whatever and you're just at at the end of your rope. And you may not have tried anything, but you want to try something. And so what I would suggest is that you seek out canna- uh, two cannabis doctors mm-hmm. that can see pediatric patients. Um, you need two in the state of Oklahoma to approve it. Okay. okay? And so those are visits. Um, I think one must be in person and the other one can be uh, virtual. And they were kind of debating that if they were going to change that. Um, so, you, you know, that's kind of flowing information. It right. may change, but you need exactly two. And then once you do that and you have your prescription, then you would take your prescription in and put it into the state and get you a pediatric card and then you for your child. And then you would be the caregiver. OK, well, like what if what if I'm someone who, who doesn't understand, like, yes, you know, maybe their child has an illness or an ailment like epilepsy. But like, what does cannabis do for epilepsy? Or, you know, what does it do for cancer? How does it help the patient? Like, 
is it nausea is like what exactly are these kids getting helped with so those symptoms are there so uh for uh, patients that have uh cancer or some other stomach ailment it may be nausea if they have autism or um uh they have some other disability um adhd it may help them to focus okay Uh, my daughter is autistic nonverbal, and she has apraxia uh, what mm-hmm. cannabis did for her was help her focus. It helped her relax. It helps her go to sleep. Mm-hmm. It actually uh, gives her a chance to to be a kid and wow. to actually have the therapy that she needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you start looking for what are some of the benefits of pediatric cannabis, it's all about how can I improve this particular child's life so that they can function as a child. Right. That's the whole goal. Right. It's not necessarily for that child to become high or intoxicated. Or dependent. Or depend. It, that's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> One of the things that we do is we look for the lowest dose okay. for children. Okay. And so even if we have, if they have a prescription uh, to have it, let's say twice a day. Like in a tincture form or? Yes, or in an edible. Edible. Uh Right. And so if they have that for twice a day, uh, we do low dosing. Okay. Micro dosing. Micro dosing for children. And we have to find that sweet spot. Mm Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the only thing that I don't like. I I can't wait till I find a grower and a processor that's willing to commit mm-hmm. to doing children's products. And mm-hmm. I don't understand why we don't have that. You have children Tylenol, you have children's soap, you have children's this, that, and the other in right. every grocery store, right? right. Uh, every pharmacy, you have children, children's toothpaste, right? right? Uh, so as a parent, as a caregiver, it's very difficult for us to come in to a dispensary. And even though I own a dispensary, even though I own a processing license, I still have issues sometimes with, OK, I'm going to get my little girl a gummy. I need to divide it up. Mm-hmm. I become a compound pharmacist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, to to create her dosage. The right dose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it has to fair. be it's it has to be an edible that let's say it's 10 milligrams that if you cut it into five, that it has to be evenly distributed. Correct. And I don't I forgot what the name of that is. But um, what is apraxia? I, I'm drawing a blank on that. Apraxia is when basically your brain is sending a signal to some part of your body, whether it's your hands, your eyes, your mouth. It can be in any part of your body. And uh, the signal is interrupted, almost like a stroke. Wow. Yes. That's the most thing. That's what I would consider the most similar diagnosis would be like that. Okay. So she has apraxia of the hands and she has apraxia of her mouth. So um, she doesn't speak. Even though she tries, oh my God, it's so cute. <laughs> she so do you have her like like full time? Like is she in in school? She is in school. Does she do remote or no? She's, she goes to a physical school. She goes to a physical school, mm-hmm. and uh, she has hearing loss in her left ear, but it's not significant enough for her to get sign language. Okay. Wow. So as a parent and as a caregiver. You will be surprised at how state funding is used. So you have Mm -hmm. to meet a certain type of disability 
and a mark Mm -hmm. before you can get certain benefits or certain training for those children and adults. So you may have someone that cannot speak, that can't hear in in her ear, her left ear, but if it doesn't score high enough, then they may not qualify for certain um certain studies. What a shame. And so um, that's why for us, cannabis has done wonders because it it has allowed her to be into an environment that will still teach her. Mm, I love that. That's beautiful. I, I can't imagine, I, I can imagine as a mom, knowing that she has made that stride and now has the support in, in that environment has to feel so good. It it does. It really, really does. And then, you know, you just have to be a mama bear. You have to really fight Advocate, for, yeah. yeah, you have to fight for their education because with, with disabled children, even though they're supposed to have their faith, which is a free and public education, uh, sometimes it's not always that easy. Absolutely. No, there's it's a, not. Yeah, there's a lot of people waiting in line for something that we take for granted. And so you really have to advocate. You have to really be on top of it. And you have to notice that you can't do everything. Mm-hmm. And so there's experts out there that will help you, but they also need help. So for me... Uh, She had speech therapy. Mm -hmm. She had occupational therapy. She had all of those things in place, but she wasn't focused. She couldn't sit still, all Mm -hmm. of those things. And so for me as a parent, I had to step back and say, these experts can't help her until I help her. And so we chose CBD first, and then we went with cannabis. And now she's able to attend to those therapies. And be there. So you never went the uh, pharmaceutical route. Uh, that's that's an interesting question. Let me just tell you. So the pharmaceutical route started out like this because the pediatrician wanted to go the pharmaceutical route. Sure. So the pharmaceutical route started out with a prescription and also a um, EKG. To check the heart. To check the heart because they knew that the, one of the side effects of that particular medicine was increasing heart rate. Increasing heart rate and, and actually heart deterioration. And so that's one of the side effects. And so for us, that just wasn't, I didn't want to to play that lottery game. That's a hell of a lottery game. <laughs> I didn't want to play it. So yeah. I said, wait a moment, I want something completely uh, from the earth. And what can I find that will help her? And I literally found someone to help me find uh, RSO oil, which is Rick Simpson oil. I've heard of Rick Simpson. Um, yeah, absolutely. And also, um, just strictly a cannabis prescription. Wow. So um, I can imagine that, you know, did you have any pushback from people around you about choosing this route? And was this before you like got into the the game? Like how long have has she been, you know, a, a, a patient, right? Uh, she's been a patient since she was about seven. Okay. Okay. And now she's 11. Oh, wow. Um, and I've been in the industry, in the legal market for a while. Before that, uh, I had to transition, like a lot of us have had to, into the legal market. Um, it's very important to understand for those that are really trying to figure out what this legal market is like. Mm-hmm. It is different, but it is you can succeed in this market. So I want to say that first. And then the second part of your question is when I started 
trying to figure out where I fit in in this industry. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I couldn't stay in the closet. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was judged. I ended up with 10 CPS cases. Uh -uh. (laughs) One day CPS was there and a CPS case uh, was called in while she was just sitting on my uh, sofa. And so as for women, for women that work in this industry uh, and for women that consume, uh, we are targeted more. Yeah. And we are judged heavily because of the fact that um, the image is that we're lazy or that we're just stoned out, even if we work in this industry. And sometimes some of the people that find you a friend, they really don't find you a friend anymore once you make this choice. Mm -hmm. And you have to be strong enough to stick with what you believe in. Mm -hmm. And so I had to do that. Uh, Each case was dropped. Because uh, I have to, you know, as Snoop Dogg says, I like to thank myself. I'm a strong mother. Yes. <laughs> uh, I love my daughters. Uh, I love my family. Uh, I'm a mom first. But I knew I had her late in life. And I knew that if I didn't find something for her before I became too old, um, that no one else would do that. Yeah. No one else was going to take the hits, the verbal abuse, all of that. And so um, now CPS and I have a great understanding because they understand that, you know, this is something I'm not going to deviate from. And I'm doing it all legally. And so that's a huge point. So if you're a mom out there or a caregiver or a father and you consume cannabis, you need to have a medical card Mm -hmm. or you need to move to a recreational state. Um, If you have cannabis in your home, it still needs to be locked up. Mm -hmm. It still needs to be childproof. It still needs to be all those things. I'm an advocate for that too. Um, I am in the process of trying to work with people in education to understand what it's like uh, when we do have those slip ups and maybe a child brings cannabis to school and mm. things like that, what will help us reverting back to our original conversation is that if we have cannabis that's in low doses, mm-hmm. uh, it's less likely to harm the way a high dose cannabis mm-hmm. product can. And so that's why it's so important for we to, for us not only to educate the the people that are lawmakers, but also the parents, also the patients. And even if that patient uh, is 11 years old, like my daughter, she she has to understand that this is medicine. Right. This is medicine, not to share with anybody else. This is your medicine. Do you, do you know, think that she understands that? She does. Um, I say it every time. Wow. This is her name is Pistol, so I say this is only Pistol's medicine. Um, yeah, because it tastes it, it. Hers really does taste good, which I'm happy. I remember as a kid taking medicine, I was like, "Oh my yeah. god," you know. Um, but I'm I'm grateful that I don't have to give her medicine that is yucky. Right. I'm 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 grateful that it's not that type of process because she has to go through so many other things. That are hard. Why right? Why make something else hard? Right. Well, Thunder, what do you think is holding, you know, people back from the children products? Stigma. Mm. The stigma. 
and they don't think it's a market. As soon as they think it's a market, oh my God, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, it, I'm older, so I remember um, my youngest child was born in 2012, but my oldest child was born in um, 1989, okay? So 1989, we were hiding our pregnancies. Even if we were pregnant, our dresses, our clothing, it didn't look like it looks now. In 2012, when I was pregnant with her, there were people in bikinis and they were just... So even if it's not a huge moneymaker, as soon as we find a celebrity or somebody Mm -hmm. like that that can push it, then guess what? It will change. Right. Like a yeah. Rihanna. Or right. Somebody. Exactly. Exactly. Right. It will it will change. And 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 that's how we are as a as a community and as a people. Yeah. Learning new, adapting, yeah. Making changes. Yeah. I um are you a sativa or an indica? Oh, I'm a sativa. Okay. <laughs> I am definitely a sativa. I, I, I am too. I um indica's Ooh, they if you have them for a few days, I start, mm-hmm. it, you know, I feel like it can affect my mood. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts about like trauma and cannabis? Because I feel like as adults, that is where cannabis can, you know, really come in handy. Um, and just the things that I've seen on it and um, me talking with, you know, my medical providers mm-hmm. and doing the little research that I have done. I, you know, I think it's very helpful for for trauma related um, symptoms. Absolutely. What I love about cannabis is that cannabis actually helps the people cross racial lines, cross financial lines, cross educational lines. Those barriers kind of fall down when we're all sitting around consuming cannabis Mm -hmm. and we can have a calm conversation Mm -hmm. about things that we have experienced, including trauma. And so uh, there's plenty of people walking around, even in the recreational states that have experienced trauma and they really have PTSD and they are medicating themselves, even though they want to call it adult use and and rec. Mm -hmm. So I totally agree with you. Uh, Cannabis is one of those things that unites people Mm -hmm. and it allows you to reset yourself. Uh, I also work with psilocybin and uh, psilocybin does a similar effect where it helps you rewire your brain. Mm -hmm. I think cannabis does some of that, too, especially with the cannabinoid system. Okay, so you think it it does go in there and turn on some lights? Yes. Okay. Yes. I've seen it for myself. Yeah, I I have. I have, too. Um, I. I was kind of one of the only ones in my family. And so. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't one of those that smoked, you know, growing up or anything like that. I was introduced to it in college, but Mm -hmm. I really, I really believe it has its place for trauma and um, with the nervous system, you know, um, with anxiety and like, just how you said about your daughter, like it helping you to be in your body and being present, Mm -hmm. um, you know, which is something that, anxiety medication can do for a while, mm-hmm. you know, before there's um, dependence. What do you feel about cannabis independence? What would you say to someone who's like, you're, like, is this, how could, like, I, just last um, episode, I had someone telling their story about their um, 
recovery from crack addiction. Mm -hmm. We had Deanna Marie on here and, you know, now coming to talk about cannabis, not that they can be compared at all, but like, you know, what are your, your thoughts about dependence on cannabis? Well, what I love about cannabis is that um, you have an opportunity to choose how you want to consume. Um, and I don't find that what I've seen is for people becoming dependent. I do think that it's something that's used as a tool, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And so as most people use certain tools, they find different ways to consume cannabis that will relieve what they're trying to relieve. Mm -hmm. And then once they reach that effect, they're fine. You know, they're in their place. They're in their bliss. And there's nothing wrong with being able to achieve that throughout your day as a form of wellness. Mm -hmm. So I don't see it as dependence. I see it more or less being able to raise your vibrations to the highest level of who you are as a person. Yeah. And it's all an individualized uh, decision, mm-hmm. you know? And so some people consume it after work. Some people consume it just on the weekends. I still have patients that consume it daily, but they understand, okay, this is where I'm trying to be. This is where I level off and this is where I can function. Mm-hmm. And so as long as they're at that point, I really don't feel it to be an addiction. Okay. I like the way you 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 explained that because um, I, I think there is still a big stigma around it not being seen as something that you're just microdosing throughout the day. Um, for example, if you're someone with ADHD and instead of, you know, an Adderall 10 milligram extended release, right, mm-hmm. you're taking, you're hitting your... Um, you know, your pre-roll a few times a day, mm-hmm. you know, how is that any different? Um, is it because it wasn't prescribed a certain way? Is it because, you know, I chose to walk in and choose this mm-hmm. versus a medical, you know, provider saying this is what you need in mm-hmm. a script, you know, Um Well, you have to keep in mind, cannabis, uh, if you go back to the 20s, 30s and 40s, before it became illegal and so stigmatized, it was in cough syrups. It was in uh, quite a few uh, prescription medications. And so uh, I think it's just being able to revolve and, and, and understand and educate ourselves on why we use cannabis and and how it's going to affect our bodies. Mm -hmm. So because we don't have that education and we have a big, huge uh, propaganda machine that came out with all these different uh, boogeyman type of uh, campaigns, that's what hindered cannabis. It's not that we had proof of that. Mm -hmm. It was just basically uh, whispers and hearsay and, and putting information out there that just wasn't the truth. Yeah, I I saw some of those boogeyman campaigns and it was just like, really save the kids? Come on now. We have a lot of other things to save kids from. Um, They call it what? Reefa hysteria? I think that's what mm -hmm. it's called. Yeah. Well, and that's what happens when you're in that that vacuum, Mm -hmm. you know, and you don't get other perspectives. You know, what do you think about the differences with with lungs when it comes to cannabis? consumption, smoking versus nicotine smoking. 
Any overlaps there? Any major differences? Because we know it says on tobacco products, this can lead to lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. So I don't see any overlap there. Um, uh, you don't have the tar. You don't have all of that. I mean, we have really, if you go to, if you can tour some grows or uh, pull up some information, uh, whether it's on my YouTube channel or somebody else's YouTube channel, this is a science. We really perfected, in my opinion, growing and processing uh, THC, mm-hmm. uh, can- the cannabis plant. And I just don't see the slim- similarities. Okay. Uh, tobacco is just what it is. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, it is tobacco. It's tar. It's nicotine altogether. It's just a lot. Mm-hmm. And so we've already proven that that can cause cancer. Um and not to, I don't even want to knock uh, the tobacco industry. Really, I really, really don't because I don't think it compares to the to the cannabis industry. To me, the cannabis industry is a medical plant, uh, and it's also a plant that can do so many other things. Right. I mean, you cannot build a house with a tobacco leaf. You cannot. That's true. So I, I don't think it's even in the same realm uh, to me. I know people want to compare it. But um, you can't plant tobacco in the ground and it removes debris and and uh, other, uh, you know, nasty things that are in the The earth, the Mm -hmm. soil. You can't, you know, I haven't seen tobacco work uh, to stop a seizure. Mm -hmm. So, you know. And you've seen that with your own eyes. I've seen that with my own eyes with um, cannabis, you know. Um, So for me. You know, it, it's not even on that level. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, especially when when you're dating, I feel like, um, you know, we have you have to have that in common if you're a consumer, because it's kind of like a belief system. <laughs> like if you don't feel like this is um, helpful for me, you know, then we have a different opinion. And this is like a big part of. My life, you really. Know? I, I'm just. I was just saying, like, because you know, I have been on the on the dating scene, and you know, you now it's like, are you four twenty friendly? Are you not? Like, that's sometimes a, a factor in terms of like if people date or not, honestly, or vibe. Wow. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I, you know, I guess I can see that, but you know, uh, like I said, I believe that this plant can can help in so many different ways. And so uh, I had a an event in May and uh, we brought Danielle Simone here. Um, she is the author of Weed Moms. Okay. okay. Yeah. She's a best-selling author. And one of the things that she describes in her book is that her husband consumed and she did not. Really? And it was, she was at the verge of uh, breaking up uh, with her husband, getting a divorce. And so she had to go and educate herself on the benefits of cannabis and why he was consuming and why that was the thing that was helping their relationship with him. And so uh, I, I sell the book at my store, but I, if you, if you order it off of Amazon, you can do that too. But I think that revelation to understand that you may be a better person handling all the things and the trauma that you have gone through by consuming cannabis. And at that moment, 
that's the person that you met. Mm. You know what I mean? The, mm. the person that you're dating is the person that you meet that's consuming cannabis. And that is what you fell in love with. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the way she describes it, it's really beautiful. I love that. I'm going to have to check that out because because you're right. You know, um, my ex-partner was not into cannabis before uh, we met and then w- got married and was just not a fan. Thought it was, you know gross like cigarette smoking and um but when he saw the change from night and day when I was extremely depressed one day we were going to go to a concert this was years ago mm-hmm. and I said let me go and you know take a couple puffs and I did and that night he was like I can't believe the 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 vibe that you're in right now when you literally couldn't get up mm-hmm. and did not want, you had no interest in going. Mm-hmm. And um, he became a fan after that. Absolutely. And at, he never consumed, never had any interest in it, but he became a fan and championed, hey, look, I don't know about that weed stuff, but I know what I saw. <laughs> I know what I saw. I was yeah. there. Like, yes. yes. Watch this. Yeah. So... You know, I think, like you said, just having that, like, come to Canada moment where it's just like, wait a minute, like, this this is helpful to this person. Mm-hmm. I care about this person, but it's also helpful to them. Mm-hmm. And um, let me try to understand and not think they're a stoner or, right. you know, um, or think they're spending too much money on it because it costs money. It does. You it know what I does. mean? <laughs> it costs money. Um, what do you think about the prices of cannabis here? Compared to other places? Uh, I think we have average pricing. Average pricing. Yes. Okay. Um, to be honest with you, I my particular dispensary, which is Proud Mary Cannabis, um, we sell basically premier cannabis, top shelf cannabis, okay. because we want to make sure, just like anything else that you're consuming, uh, we want to make sure that you're consuming products that are good for you and that... Um, doesn't have a lot of, and of course this stuff is tested, right? Right, right? They all have certificate of analysis on anything that you buy in the state of Oklahoma. But for me, I'm looking at that and I want for you to have something that you're consuming that doesn't have a lot of metals and all those different things, pesticides. We look mm-hmm. for all of that. Uh, and sometimes that goes back to appraising cannabis. There's some things that can pass through testing that's that's legal, but it's almost like the organic banana uh, or uh, and then the the banana. The banana, right. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like the, the strawberries. When I go into a store and, and I'm looking at produce, I, I know what brand of strawberries I want because right. I can consistently say that most of the time these strawberries or blueberries are going to be kind of sweet. Right. I mean, it's just a consistent thing from that form. And it's the same thing with cannabis. We have to understand it's a crop. Right. It is truly a crop. Like botany. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, for me, when I look at that, I want to get a product to my patient's that is the highest thing that they can afford. So I want it to be affordable, but yet and still, I want it to be definitely great product. I don't want it to change colors quickly. Mm -hmm. I want it to have the smell. Mm -hmm. I want it to have uh, the medicine capability to take you where you need to go 
in the amount of time that you can consume it. Mm. So I I really, if you know, they call them dog walkers. Mm-hmm. And a really good flower strain, all you need is a dog walker to get you where you want. Three okay. or four puffs, right? right. Um, and, and to medicate you if you're really doing great with, with that particular strain. I have some lower budget strains that you may need a whole you know, pre-roll. You may have to consume an entire bud to make that make sense. Um, So that's out there. But some of those great strains, I'm telling you, just like you said, two or three puffs, you're ready to go. go. Yeah. Yeah. When when you think about, um, you know, these things come up every so often where we have to like, like we had recreational just, you know, not pass. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, where do you stay in the know to know like your stuff is being, you know, protected. Like you still have your license for the next, I don't know, couple years or whatever. Like, how do you know what's the latest? Where do you find this stuff? Well, I think you need to really be involved in the events that we have in Oklahoma. And we have a ton of events in Oklahoma, but your events should be very selected. Uh, There's events out there. That's great. It's fun. I love those events, but right. I would suggest to to the people of Oklahoma to choose events that not only have the fun side of it, but also the educational side. Okay. I'm a big fan of education just for that reason. Um, a lot of people wanted Rick to pass. I don't know if you were a um, person that supported Rick. Um I was kind of on the fence both ways because I knew we needed to clean up some things to make some things right. Okay. And so recreational to me, uh, with our particular program, to me, our program is the most lenient program out there anyway. Right. So um, rec was not a necessity for me, even as a business owner. Okay. I really want us to improve on our education. Right. I want... For a person to walk into a dispensary, whether it's mine or someone else, and to say to that bud tender or to that dispensary owner, I am depressed, I have this patient card, and I also um, would like to be able to microdose, and I really don't have time to smoke it, what other options do I have? And I want them to be able to say, hey, these are the three or four strains that may be helpful for you in our store. This is the way that you can consume. And this is our price points. And that way, that person can make an honest decision just like they would if they were shopping at one of the major stores. That's important to me. Uh, And it should be important to the people that's out there. So if we were to get wrecked, because to me, getting wrecked means, hey, it's a free-for-all. And people aren't going to like that I said that. But if you don't have the education first, you're going to be out there training and getting different things that you're not ready for. Mm. Like what? uh, I think there's a lot of people that's not ready for edibles. I would have to agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) I would have to agree with that. Why why do you think? Because they they had some like... um, Wild trip, like, and got scared. Got scared and and just um, some people were injured, you know, and stuff like that, you know, because, and and fear, Mm -hmm. and it created problems, you know, nausea, things like that. And and edibles can take three to five days to, to, to get that out of your system. Wow. And so for me... 
Um, I, I'm very honest with what I do. And so I, I talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, okay? I want to self-regulate myself in this industry. I feel like it's important for me to be an expert in this industry. So when I talk about edibles, there's all types of edibles on the market. In the state of Michigan, you can only get 10 milligrams and that's it because they really understand edibles can go there. You know what I mean? Hmm. Uh, But even with 10 milligrams, you can have uh, a package of gummies that may have 10 to 15 gummies. And if you're eating 10 milligrams like this, and, and you're just thinking it tastes good as candy. It's not candy. It is not. It is not. And so for me, that's where I believe that until we get a little bit more education before we say, okay, there are warning labels on these edibles. Right. But it needs to be a little bit more than that. It, it needs to be, hey, have you ever tried edibles before? And for the person that's selling the product to take the responsibility to say, um, if you've never tried these before, cut it in half, mm-hmm. wait 45 minutes, then try a little bit more. You know, just give, why not? Right. You know, when I was learning how to drive, uh, the thing about parallel parking and, and going a certain speed limit or crossing the um, crossing lanes on the highway, of course, you could read it in a book, mm-hmm. Right. But it was nothing like that person that was training you to to drive, to give you some pointers, some secret pointers that they had that made them very successful. And all I'm asking in the edible uh, market for us to also be able to give some people some pointers. Right. Yeah. When I, you know, you go to a dispenser, I mean, you can get a thousand milligrams if you want Mm -hmm. and not, not know anything about it. And if you live alone, then what, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's really good. I, I never even thought, I think there's still like some funny about edibles, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, I had a bad trip or I I was scared I couldn't get up or, you know, um, and us not thinking of it in a medicinal form. I mean, like, for example, me, I can't take hydrocodone mm-hmm. if I, I'm allergic to it. So, you know, if I'm going to the hospital, going to the dentist, I can't take this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are also, you know, labels on it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that don't take it with this or don't take it with that. And edibles, you know, because there there is a difference. Like if, if have you eaten yet? Have you not eaten? You know, things like that, that we just kind of leave off of of the edible piece and just say that that's for pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And so if if you really want an industry to thrive, uh, it's important for the people that are in the industry to self-regulate ourselves, to be able to say, you know, yes, I sell this product, but for a person that's never used this product before, I need to give them some information mm-hmm. before. It's just like dyeing your hair or uh, using one of those products. Yes, you can do it yourself, mm-hmm. but there's so many different things that could possibly go wrong with, with using a hair product at home. But yet and still, they give you all of that. You know, they say you could, you know, t- uh, test it on your arm, patch testing and all mm-hmm. of those things. And so I usually do the same thing when I'm talking to someone and I'm selling them some edibles. I'm like, these are delicious. <laughs> I love these. Um, but when you try them, just, you know, if you've never had an edible before, cut it in half, make sure that it is something that you're at home trying first and then go from there. Okay. 
Yeah, I I can see that. I hope that we we can get that here. Um, so that if someone had a bad experience, they're not like telling a whole bunch of people they had a bad experience, putting a bad taste in in their mouth about it. But um, well, cool. I I want to hear about this this Thunderwalker experience that you do, and what makes it so special. Well, the Thunderwalker experience is. Um, Basically, a moving talk show. A moving talk show. Yes. It, it travels from state to state. Each state is like a patchwork in a quilt. In the quilt, it's the United States. So as each state comes on to the program and approves cannabis, whether it's medical or adult use or recreational, um, I go to that state I learn about that state. I meet with uh, legislators. I meet with consumers, caregivers, uh, business owners, and I dissect what's great about that state. And then I look at things that's not so great and how they can improve. And so I've been able, like when I was in Hawaii, we judged cannabis. We also sat down and we watched them analyze the laws of cannabis and what they were trying to do there based off of uh, there they had what's called patient stacking because uh, patients in uh, Hawaii can grow their own cannabis, but they have to have some place to grow it, right? Okay, right? And the real estate, again, in Hawaii is very expensive. So uh, they had a form that they were stacking licenses on. Well, that sounds like, oh, my God, you know, each patient can have so many plants and they're stacking it on top of each other. It seems excessive, right? But no, think about it. Land there is so expensive until a person that's in their home or an apartment because they can't smoke in their apartment, right? They And most people in Hawaii, they don't own the real estate. Uh, they have to have some place to grow their plants mm. that's affordable. And this particular um, this particular form allowed them to stack. But when we were hearing testimony, uh, the legislators who had never ventured out there to this form, the, all they heard was that this person was stacking license, but they did not understand how it was helping so many patients at an affordable price. Mm. And so that's why I think it's so important to be able to do my mission, which is to go from state to state, look at what's going on and help lawmakers understand what's needed from a patient's point of view, from a caregiver's point of view, and from a businesswoman's point of view. Yeah, you have all of those perspectives. I'm I'm sure that is um, very valuable. Have you experienced... um, like, how has it been been with legislators? Um, it's a lot of people that has never tried cannabis before. Uh, they really feel like it is um, a gateway drug, mm-hmm. which it's not. Uh, and they have no intention of learning. And so I normally try to approach them with... Uh, the ability to sit down and talk with them about my experiences Mm -hmm. and then the experiences of people in their state. And so when you come to people uh, and they never, (laughs) they never can guess like, what's the deal? Why, why are you such an advocate for this plant? And when I tell them that, Hey, I've seen it help my father who passed away from cancer. Mm -hmm. I've seen it help my daughter who has autism. But when I, and I'm a business owner, so I, I talk to them about that. But then when I say that I am a patient, that's what really carries the most weight. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that carries the most weight is because 
I do not fit the mold of what they believe a patient or a person that uses cannabis should look like. Mm. And so that's pulling the, the the stereotype out in the middle of the room. Here's the pink elephant. It's in the middle of the room. Why do you not want me to have my medicine? Mm-hmm. And then at that point, we can have a true conversation about why it helps me. Right. Why am I able to sit in front of this person right now and have this intelligent conversation about a plant that helps me do just that. Sure. I mean, I'm sure there are people that that don't believe in autism, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's like the first thing. But um, I I think what you do is so like phenomenal. And the fact that you get to do that for a living. Oh, my God. That sounds like (laughs) a dream. Thank you so much. You know, I. um, It's all about perspective. Mm -hmm. And so when I first got the diagnosis of my child having autism, when I first got the diagnosis that my father had cancer, when I first um, went through the process of understanding that my personal trauma was not going to heal itself. Whoo, that's big. Uh, So at that point, I realized You know, you can stay in corporate America and jump from one job to the next because you're not dealing with what's at home. Mm -hmm. You're not dealing with all of those things that you have to deal with through life experiences, you know, things Mm -hmm. that you may not have even chosen. But cannabis has helped me deal with that. I see a lot of women out there that um, have gone through relationship issues, domestic violence, all of those things. And cannabis has allowed them to restart their life, have businesses, have talk shows, have podcasts, have um, the ability to smoke and just release the pain, letting go of the pain. That's huge. Very huge. Yeah. Very huge. And I know because... I've seen it for myself. Um, So I, you know, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. And I really think that it's going to inform, you know, a lot of people because I have so many people listening. Um, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I got to say that every time, Um, you know, because I, I don't have a lot of friends that consume, you know, it's still not as widespread as you would think like there's still people who are just like nah that's not my thing I won't try even if they have you know anxiety or um some other ailment or disorder um they've just not thought to give it a try Mm -hmm. um because of past stigma maybe their sibling or something went to jail for it or whatever the case may be so this has been this has been good very eye-opening um and I hope that as a state, we can get more educated mm-hmm. about cannabis on the front line, DHS workers, whoever, whoever needs the education and the patient. I hope we can, I hope we can get there. Right. And then we all have to get there together. Together. Yeah. And and that's the other thing that Oklahoma has to realize. That's why when I'm in other states, um, I always give my states its props because Oklahoma has done some things extremely well, mm-hmm. extremely well. And no one's perfect, including our state. Our state is not perfect, but we can strive to do better. Mm -hmm. But I love the fact that when we opened up the gates, 
we allow for everyone to have a seat at the table. And so our particular state has the most licensees in the country of people of color. That's big. That's huge. Yeah. That's that's amazing. I love that. And um so Oklahoma. That, yeah, proud proud who's who's the you know, Connie Johnson is not at the, you know, Capitol anymore. Who's the frontline person right now in the legislature that's really the champion for cannabis? I don't think we have one. Wow. Not like she was. Yeah. I don't even compare it. Let me just say this. And this is I'm going to say that the frontline person for cannabis is the advocates that go up there and protest and push Mm -hmm. um, and the business owners. We're it. Mm -hmm. Because this is something that has been given to this state. Yes. And we refuse to let you guys take it away. Mm -hmm. And so it's a matter of us organizing and making sure uh, from the patient's to the business owners, to the caregivers, making sure that this state stays legal. Mm -hmm. And whether we continue on to adult use or not, we understand the value of this plant. Because believe it, it's it's paying some tax dollars. Oh, I know. Okay. I I know. (laughs) I know. And so so you can't deny that part. Correct. (laughs) You know, that's dollars and cents. Well, You know, I I know your time is precious. I this has been a great conversation and I it's it was so rich and you can kind of take a piece of anything and kind of go do your own research um, and kind of run with it. So what's next for you? What's on your next thing? So I'm really, really excited about uh, the Thunderwalker experience where we'll be traveling through a tour. It's called the, the Smoke currency tour. Okay. Uh, And the reason why I called it that is not just smoking cannabis, but also smoke signals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm from Oklahoma and smoke signals is basically saying how we can communicate with each other. And there's no barriers whatsoever, just through the smoke. Mm -hmm. And the currency is not just money, but it's also people. It's also people. And so the Smoke Currency Tour right now is scheduled to be in 17 states. I'm so excited about that. Congratulations, Thunder. That's huge. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. And they're going to be rec states and medical. And we will be in our home state of Oklahoma. We're going to be going from Oklahoma City to Tulsa. We don't have a third stop. So back up to Oklahoma City. I also have my dispensary. It's called Proud Mary Cannabis. And so you can always stop by at 2410 North Robinson. Uh, And we have veteran discounts. So I'm excited about that and first patient discounts. Um, The other thing that I am doing is um, uh, a couple of shows. So next month I will be doing a show in New Jersey in Atlantic City and I will be, um, it's called NECAN and I will be speaking there at their opening event. And then I'm also doing a show for the Canna World Fair. Wow. Yes, the Canna World Fair is going to be in Oaks, Pennsylvania. And then also Canna Soul is coming to Oklahoma. I'm really excited about that. And that is going to be a convention for people of color that's in the cannabis industry. So think of it as women that are loose because I love spirituality. 
with um, the Essence Festival. Okay. So That's we're going to have nice. some music. We're okay. going to have some smoking. We're going to have educational um, classes. And we're going to be, uh, even on the tour, we're going to show people how to open up their own businesses for any type of business. And so I'm going to tell you where you can find me, if that's okay. Yes, please do. On Instagram, it's I am Thunderwalker or the Thunderwalker Experience or Proud Mary Cannabis. Those are the three. And then the Smoke Currency Tour is going to be Smoke currency.com or uh, the thunderwalkerexperience.com Thank you. Will y'all go out and support Thunder wherever you are in the country <laughs> and virtually go follow her on Instagram to keep up with what she's doing. Um, thank you for being here, Thunder. Thank you for having me. This has been amazing and I wish you all the luck. Oh, I received that. I received that so much. Hey, if you've liked this, please go ahead and subscribe to our um, to this podcast. So that way you can get notifications about any upcoming episodes. And if you found this helpful, go ahead and leave us a review. That'll help other people find us on wherever you listen to your podcast. Awesome. We'll see you next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thoughts About That was brought to you by the Possibilities Podcast Platform.